One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I'm Sadie Eck. And I am Courtney Eck. And we have to like rush through now all of a sudden because we just had some serious audio difficulties. You guys, podcasting is podcasting is a dirty business. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, we, oh we're really about to cash it all in, about to be done. You can't figure this out. We can't figure this Hello. out. But yeah, it was a very simple one Click thing needed to be switched, <laughs> but it took us about 45 minutes to figure it out. So Ooh. we are punchy now. Woo! Yeah. We're not here to talk about technical difficulties. We are here to talk about the bizarre and strange and terrible murder of Kent Heitholt. Tell me everything. So Kent Heitholt was born in Lawrence, Kansas on January 4th, 1953. After high school, he studied journalism at the University of Missouri, and that is also where he met his wife, Deborah. Kent and Deborah had two children, Callie and Vince, and Kent started his career at the Nashville Banner, then spent nine years working at the Times in Shreveport, Louisiana, and then settled at the Columbia Daily Tribune in Columbia, Missouri in 1996, where he worked as a sports editor. The job was perfect for Kent as he was an avid sports fan and, quote, women's sports were just as important as men's for him. And he, quote, even gave the small local events the same importance as the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. His co-worker said that, quote, Kent would give a chance to people with no experience at all if they were eager to work. He sympathized with the underdog and he did not have much use for people with big egos. Mm -hmm. Another coworker said, quote, Kent got along with people because he was sincere and hardworking and an example of how to do things the right way and still have fun. He helped young writers and young wannabe writers. He didn't give up on people. My kind of guy. Such a sweetie pie, especially 1996 to care about women's sports is a big yes. deal. Yes. So then on Halloween night, 2001, Kent worked very late at the paper. And according to his coworker Robert Thompson, who was there with him that night, the computer system shut off around 2 a.m., and so it was time to go home. Another coworker, Michael Boyd, said that he and Kent chatted in the parking lot at around 2.10 a.m., then walked to Kent's car, where Kent told him about a stray cat that had been clawing at his tire. <laughs> <laughs> then Michael Boyd left around 2.20 a.m., then a little while later, someone from the building's cleaning crew approached Robert Thompson and said that he saw someone outside in the parking lot lying in a pool of blood. Oh, no. Robert said he found Kent lying face down on the concrete, so turned him over and checked his pulse. At 2.26 a.m., 911 received a call from Jerry Trump, who was the manager for the building's cleaning crew, and another member of the crew, Shauna Ornt, who had first seen two young men in the parking lot and then reported what she'd found to Robert Thompson and Jerry Trump. So Shauna had gone outside to smoke a cigarette, saw two men outside, got scared, mm -hmm. ran back in and told Robert and Jerry. So Shauna also said that one of the men had looked her in the eyes and said, quote, somebody is hurt here, man. No. Yeah. 
So officers arrived on the scene and found Kent deceased in the parking lot. Quote, there was a large amount of blood and blood spatter located throughout the scene. A belt buckle, apparently torn from his belt, was lying near his head, and his neck displayed red marks that were consistent with ligature marks. Why? What is happening? In addition, Ken's pants were very bloody, and the saturation on the right leg suggested that he may have knelt down at one point. The quote continues, there were also several basketball schedules, a lens from a pair of glasses, and a cell phone scattered around Kent's car and a pile of cat food on the top of a wall near the parking lot. Detectives recovered fingernail scrapings and strands of hair from Kent's hands during the autopsy of the body. Jerry Trump later told police that one of the individuals by the car was a, quote, an approximately six foot tall, 20 or 21 year old white male with a stocky build, possibly dark hair and a ball cap. He observed a second individual stand up around the driver's side door. This person was also a white male, had blonde hair, was approximately six foot tall, had a thin build and was 19 or 20 years old. Like I said before, one of the individuals by the car said somebody's hurt man and both began walking briskly east through an alleyway toward 4th Street. I'm I'm glad we're just starting because I have so many questions. I'm so confused. Get ready for maximum questions. (laughs) So the janitors were taken to the police station for further questioning and weren't helped police put together a composite sketch of one of the men she saw in the lot And she said after the fact she was, quote, not as satisfied as she wanted to be with the composite sketch and that the hair in the sketch wasn't quite right. Kent was six foot four. He was a big man and he had been bludgeoned and strangled to death. And no one could imagine who would have approached and attacked the beloved sports writer in the middle of the night. Along with the hair found in Kent's hands and the fingernail scrapings, police found a bloody footprint fingerprints, and blood on Kent's clothes, but none of it provided any DNA that didn't belong to Kent. And so we know he was strangled. Yes. And he was also, we don't know. He was also bludgeoned. Okay. Police released the composite sketch that Sheila had provided, and it generated plenty of leads, but none of them panned out, and so two years passed without a break in the case. Wow. Why? I, okay. Ah, I don't like <laughs> it. It's got like three eyewitnesses right like it's just yeah and, a and the timeline is so and... strange and tight yes yeah if you've been listening to true crime for a while you know it takes a lot of minutes to strangle someone to death between four right. and ten minutes to strangle someone to death right so right for michael boyd to have seen him at 220 and then for him to be dead as a doornail by 226 a.m to have i mean it would have been even earlier because Sheila was out there smoking a cigarette, had to go back in, tell yeah. Robert and Jerry, call the police, you know, so he would right. have had to have been dead by like 224 or 223. Yeah. Yeah. And to not hear the struggle or the, yeah. what did, I don't like it at all. Yeah. So then in March of 2004, a man named Jonathan Adler reached out to police to report that he'd learned through secondhand information that two young men named Charles Erickson, who went by Chuck, and Ryan Ferguson were the ones who had attacked and killed Kent. There's going to be a lot of names in this. Just Mm -hmm. let them wash right over you. I will walk you through it. Don't get too confused. (laughs) Chuck and Ryan are important. Remember those names. Okay. But And Kent, obviously. But there's going to be a lot of names. It's okay. This man who called police claimed that Erickson and Ferguson, who were both 17 at the time of the murder, had been partying at a bar called the By George and had <laughs> run out of money. He claimed that Ferguson had been trying to find ways to get more money and had run into Kent in the parking lot after leaving the bar. He claimed that Ferguson had then attempted to rob Kent and that Ferguson had then strangled and killed Kent while Erickson watched. Jesus. He claimed that Erickson spotted a cleaning lady leaving the building and had shouted to her that someone was hurt and needed help before running off. Jonathan Adler had gotten this information from his friend, Nicholas Gilpin, who had heard about the incident from Erickson. 
Adler claimed that he believed what he'd heard because he knew Ferguson and said that he'd been taking steroids and was, quote, unpredictable and had also threatened to kill Erickson and other people in the past. Are you telling me we're getting a roid rage case right now? <laughs> I'm telling you to hang on for your dear little sweet panties, honey. Are, we, are you telling me that he's trying to blame roid rage on this murder? Is I, a better way to put it, maybe, <laughs> until I learn more? We're going he, to Roy Town. No, we just take a brief little stop off in Roy Town. We're going to go okay. to Crazy Town is where we're going. We're going to go straight to PCP Town. Yeah, God, God. I know. We sh- has anyone ever murdered someone on PCP? Um, like, we'll have to look it, into maybe, it. I'll, Not I'll since look. 1986, right? When the Ronald Reagan told us that PCP is the worst possible thing you could ever do in your life, ever, hands down. No question. We're all so scared of PCP. So, I'm so scared of it. I just run into a cloud of it at any moment. Should we just do some just to see? It's probably no. like just a real chill, kind of cool experience. Don't do drugs. No, don't do drugs. So Adler Gilpin and two other individuals, Laura Myers and Aaron Dover, were brought in for questioning and they all backed up Adler and Gilpin's claims. Police then brought in Charles Erickson, who claimed he had started having, quote, dreamlike memories of the night and watching his friend kill Kent Highholt. Charles Erickson's first interview with police was not recorded, but a later interview was in which he claimed that he and Ferguson had been at the By George on Halloween night and had run out of money, so Ferguson had asked his sister if he could borrow some, but she refused. He claimed that Ferguson said that they should leave and, quote, rouse someone up for some money, and so they did. He claimed that they found Kent in the parking lot of the Tribune, and Ferguson took a tire iron from his car and asked Erickson to hit Kent with it, so he did. He claimed that Kent screamed and that he might have then vomited. Hmm. He said that he watched Ferguson walk over to Kent to see if he was dead, and then Ferguson started strangling Kent with his own belt. Once Kent was dead, they left and ran into someone named Dallas Mallory, who they told they had, quote, beat down a guy. Erickson claimed that when he brought up the murder to Ferguson later, he responded by saying that he, quote, wanted to kill someone before he turned 60 anyway, and that when he brought it up again later, Ferguson said he'd kill him if he told anyone. Mm-mm. Police then drove Erickson around and had him retrace the events of the night of the murder. And he did his and he did his best. But he said that the route and the events after the murder were, quote, foggy to him. They also had him draw a picture of the tire iron he claimed he'd hit Kent with. So police then brought in Ryan Ferguson and interviewed him for several hours during which time he insisted he had absolutely nothing to do with Kent Highholt's murder. Mm-hmm. Despite his insistence that he was innocent, both Ryan Ferguson and Charles Erickson were arrested and charged with the murder of Kent Highholt based on Erickson's testimony. Mm, I thought you were the one that said we aren't going to do any more false convictions. Buckle up, baby. Buckle up. (laughs) I'm getting a taste of my own medicine over here. Get ready to rumble with your own fury. (laughs) (laughs) So Ryan Ferguson was born on October 19th, 1984 and grew up in Columbia, Missouri. And he confirmed that on October 31st, 2001, he and his friend Chuck Erickson headed out for a fun night of Halloween partying. They attended a couple of parties together before heading to Columbia, Missouri, where they snuck into by George to meet Ryan's sister for some drinks before heading home around 1.30 a.m. Ryan said he dropped Chuck off at his house and then took himself home and went to bed. He said that he still had $30 left when the bar closed that night, and at no point had he asked his sister for money, and he certainly hadn't killed a random stranger for drinking money. Right. He did confirm that Erickson had brought up the murder to him on New Year's Eve that year and that he had accused him of killing Kent, but that he, quote, did not think twice about the conversation after the fact because he'd been, quote, having a good time. And so the other guy, Chuck. Yes. 
Ryan dropped him off somewhere or they yes. just part, parted ways? He dropped him off. So Ryan drove Chuck home, dropped him at his house, and then Ryan went home and went night-night. Okay. Yep. And then on New Year's Eve that year, or the year that he was arrested, not the same right. year as the murders. This is two years later. Chuck so New Year's Eve of that year, Chuck had come up to Ryan and said, hey, you killed that guy. And Ryan was like, I did not. <laughs> Party time, let's do a shot or whatever. Right. Uh-huh. Get yeah. it. Stop. That's exactly. weird. Yeah. So his trial drew near... Chuck Erickson took a plea deal in exchange for 25 years in prison as long as he testified against his friend, Ryan Ferguson. Jesus, people. At trial, Erickson repeated the story he told police a year earlier, and detectives also recalled an interview with a young woman named Megan Arthur. According to the report, Megan had a disturbing conversation with Ryan Ferguson about the night of Kent's murder. The report claimed that Ferguson had been drunk and high on narcotics when he told her that Erickson was trying to get him to turn himself in for the murder and that they had done something stupid, but that he didn't want to turn himself in. So Ryan had been on drugs and drinking Mm -hmm. when he confessed to her that Erickson was trying to get himself to get him to turn himself in. Right. The report also said that, quote, Ferguson said to Arthur that he did not know what happened because he and Erickson had left the scene and did not know how it ended. The prosecution also called an inmate from Ferguson's cell block who testified that Ferguson had admitted to murdering Kent on the first day he was in jail. And he was able to recall all of the details of the murder, and they mostly lined up with Erickson's claims. (laughs) The inmate claimed that Ferguson had told Erickson on the night of the murder that Kent hadn't been hurt that badly, but they had stopped being friends after Erickson wouldn't stop asking him questions about what had actually happened that night. He also claimed that Ferguson had convinced his girlfriend to lie and give him an alibi, that she had been on the phone with him at the time of the murder. He also claimed that Ferguson said that if the inmate lied for him, he would help get an attorney for his daughter who was facing charges. I just don't have anything to say about it. No, it, you yeah. can't base all, you can't base a case off of hearsay. Yeah. It, and, and eyewitness so, testimony, which we all know is shaky. Right. So Chuck Erickson, he wasn't. He didn't come forward. Right. It was a, just some other people who said it, who pinned it on him. And yeah so it was, a, it was secondhand at first so chuck's friends came forward and said chuck keeps talking about this murder that he and ryan did we're, we're worried right you know, he keeps telling us that he and ryan did this and another their other friend megan was like yeah ryan confided He's also in me been talking. Right. yeah and said that erickson wants him chuck wants him to come forward but he doesn't want to and he was all high and drunk and he told me this mm-hmm so, so then that's, that's police it. brings like, Chuck in and Chuck tells them what happened that night. They wouldn't have had these names of these kids otherwise. No. Up to exactly. this point. No, okay. not at all. And then at trial, Chuck goes on, sta- on the stand and reenacts everything and talks about right. exactly what happened and what Ryan did. And the most damning testimony came from Jerry Trump, the janitor who had seen the two men in the parking lot on the night of the murder when he conclusively identified Chuck Erickson and Ryan Ferguson as the men he'd seen that night. So after hearing the testimony against Ryan Ferguson, the jury found him guilty of the second-degree murder and robbery of Kent Heitholt, and he was sentenced to 40 years in prison. Mm, so sorry. That and that, sucks. my darlings, is the story. Stop. Just kidding. <laughs> Let me tell you this really sad, straightforward story. Yeah. It sucks. The end. <laughs> And justice was served. (laughs) So after Ryan Ferguson was sent to prison in 2005, his father set out to prove his son's innocence after he was convicted without any hard evidence. Not one single iota, not one teeny, weeny, teeny, tiny bit of hard evidence, actual evidence. No. At one point, his father wrapped his car in this innocent, free Ryan Ferguson mm-hmm. car wrap with all this information and drove like all over the country with this thing and then went all over the world having people hold up a sign that said free Ryan Ferguson and put it all over his Facebook page. And yeah, Good dad went him. on a fucking rampage. 
So it turns out that Chuck Erickson's testimony changed multiple times over the course of the investigation. Oh, you don't say. Shocking. Are you guys shocked to hear this? So shocked. That never happened. Never happened. And Jerry Trump was a convicted sex offender, so he wasn't the most credible witness. I don't know what his sex offense was, but... On top of that, Megan Arthur and the inmate whose testimony had been used at trial had denied most of what the detectives had included in their report about their interviews. After oh, my the God. Fact. We love that. Mm-hmm. So Megan said that she'd overheard Ryan and Chuck talking at a party and that Ryan was, quote, distressed about whatever they were talking about, like the confusion or whatever it was they were talking about. So he was confused and alarmed that his friend was trying to pin a murder on him. Yes. Because he didn't kill anybody. Yes. She had claimed that he was drunk, Mm -hmm. but the report said really drunk. Mm -hmm. And she said she never claimed he was on drugs that night. (laughs) She also said that she had never claimed that she was 100% sure of what had happened that night, but the report made it sound like she had been. So yeah, she overheard a conversation, a weird conversation, and then police just fully fabricated the story where she was like, he came to me and said, Chuck was accusing me and we did something stupid and I didn't want to turn myself in, which oh my God. what she overheard was Chuck being like, bro, we got to turn ourselves in. And Ryan being like, no, we didn't do anything. Right. Like Please we were talking drunk. to me about this. Yeah. We yeah. were drunk and we did something stupid. We snuck into a bar, but we didn't right. kill a man, dude. So the inmate said that when police interviewed him again in 2005, so right before the trial, so they interviewed him in April. So Ryan Mm -hmm. was arrested in March. They interviewed him in April and he gave all this testimony that Ryan had showed up at prison and been like, guess what I did? Yeah. The first day, first day he was in prison. How it works, right? So then right before trial, they interviewed him again in 2005, and they told him to, quote, say what I can remember the best that I remembered, and that he told him he, quote, basically can't remember anything anymore, and that he thought Ferguson was innocent. He said that during his interview in 2004, quote, the police were trying to use my words in a different way than I said them, or they told me what to say. Mm Mm-hmm. And that any information he'd given them, he'd heard on TV or read in a newspaper. Oh, man. Chuck Erickson was also a real shaky witness, as it turned out. (laughs) He said that he'd been very drunk and high on cocaine and Adderall on the night of the murder. And he hadn't remembered anything when he'd woken up the next day. Cool. That's Mm -hmm. great. That's so helpful. Yeah. He said that it wasn't until the news had reported on the murder two years later that he'd started to wonder if he and Ryan had committed the crime. No, buddy. Yes. Yeah, because the composite sketch looked a lot like him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, the Tribune was right next to the bar. They said there were two white men. That looks exactly like me. Oh, man. Yeah. And Chuck admittedly was on lots of drugs and alcohol when he was in high school. So the kid was not in the best state of mind. Oh, God. Can you, it's the worst case of, oh, fuck, what did I do the night after drinking? Like, it's awful. It's awful. You don't know and you can't remember. You remember bits and pieces. And then you're like, oh, my God, did I kill somebody? Did I kill somebody? For no reason. Yeah. And then you feel so bad about it that you've decided that you probably did. And then you try to tell your friend, we, hey, we got to turn ourselves in and do the right thing and you probably didn't do it right well i think he started out by saying to ryan isn't it crazy that we were right next to this place and there was two guys that got caught and that one looks just like me so i think he started out as being more of a casual thought right right yeah just ah, it's so weird what a weird coincidence and then just ballooned and ballooned and ballooned into this fucking horrible thing oh god Quote, he started to think about that night and slowly remember bits and pieces about what had occurred. Following the article he saw, he began to talk with his friends about his regrets and approached Ferguson about their involvement in the murder. You guys, this episode is sponsored by our best friend forever, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That is why it is America's number one meal kit. 
A new season calls for new meals, and HelloFresh has a fresh fall lineup of delicious dinners and more to choose from. Take your pick from 40 weekly recipes that suit your lifestyle, from veggie to family-friendly to fit and wholesome. Ever wish you could spend less time planning, shopping, and cooking for the family and more time with them? From easy, time-saving breakfasts and family dinners to kid-approved lunches and snacks, HelloFresh has what it takes to keep everyone, including you, happy and satisfied. Hey, Sadie, have you ever uh, gotten to mealtime and been like, wow, I don't know what to cook and I would rather... (laughs) put my head through this window than have to plan something and cook it right now. Every day of my life, unless I have HelloFresh. Then you just go, you get the card, you pull out the bag, you do what they tell you to do. It's delicious. It's easy. We have a recipe that I still make from HelloFresh at home, firecracker meatballs. They are delicious. (laughs) They really, and they are so easy. And I don't know if people understand that when you get HelloFresh, everything you need is in a paper bag. Mm Mm-hmm. And a little satchel. And a little cute satchel, and it's got its name on it, and it comes with a recipe card. It's a big, colorful, easy-to-read, easy-to-follow recipe card. With pictures. With pictures. That's such a good point, because if you're like, I don't know what a cube is of zucchini, they show you. (laughs) Go figure. What a concept. So it really could not be easier. And I've said this before, but I love how little waste comes with it, Mm -hmm. because all the little packages, just a little whisper of debris after the fact, a little whisper of refuse. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I Lovely. Do. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50, they will, and use code 50, they will, for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. You guys, what? that is, yes, go to HelloFresh.com slash 50, they will, and use code 50, they will for 50% off plus 15% off of the next two months. We cannot stress enough how that means half off followed by 15% off. Yeah, there is a reason why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Go get yours today. You'll get yours today. Police had turned over their fucking police reports to him before the trial. What? Yes. So his previously foggy memories of the night got real clear by the time he took the stand. Yes. Yep. So Ryan Ferguson started appealing his sentence and the first 11 were denied. Oh my God. Then in 2009, a real hotshot defense attorney caught wind of his case and you'll never guess who it was. Um, What's her face? Yes. Kathleen Zellner, baby. Kathleen Zelder breezes on in from Chicago. She's like, I got this. Don't you worry about it. God, I wonder if it's like a liability to get her as a defense attorney at this point. Because every judge will be like, nope, that's not going to work on us, baby. (laughs) So right after she took on his case, she got a massive break when Ryan received a letter from his good old friend Chuck that encouraged him to have his lawyers visit him in prison. Oh, boy. Zellner screeded her sweet ass. And was, <laughs> that's what she that means. Absolutely screeted her sweet she ass. Screeted her sweet ass over to where Chuck was being held and recorded him while he read a statement claiming that he had been the only person to kill Kent. Nobody. Yeah, that Ryan had tried to stop him, and that he had made everything he'd said made up everything he'd said about Ryan at trial. His news story still put Ryan at the scene of the crime, but proved. That Chuck had been lying on the stand. Mm-hmm. Zellner also looked into Chuck's testimony and found that he'd claimed that they'd robbed Kent and then returned to the bar and continued drinking. Oh. But Kent's wallet had been on him when police found his body and only his watch had been stolen. So she just wanted to go over there and barter his watch for cocktails? <laughs> I don't think so. Well, not to mention that. They said he screamed and there was vomit. Yeah, right. As far as I know, that wasn't... Nobody heard him scream and there was no vomit. No. So she also compared his claim that he'd hit Kent with a tire iron to the medical examiner's findings, and they were not consistent as he didn't have any skull fractures, which Mm -hmm. would have occurred if he'd hit him the way he said he did with such a heavy instrument. Right. And you you can see video of him. Like, he... Look, he says he like reeled back up over his head and clocked him on the top of the head with a tire oh, iron. 
There was also evidence that he'd been hit with a two-pronged tool, like a nail puller. He's got these little, like, hoof marks oh, all over God. his arms. It's, oh, you can God. see in the photos, like, it's obviously something with a scratchy, like oh, a nail puller or a... Horrendous. Yeah, a crowbar kind of thing, not a tire iron. Right. Police also failed to look any deeper into Michael Boyd as a suspect, who was the last person to see Kent alive as he'd seen him just six minutes before the 911 call. The co-worker? The co-worker. And they didn't also, look into him? No, not at all. He <laughs> also returned to the scene of, of the crime later that night after he'd heard what had happened and was in photos, crime scene photos. Like, the co-worker. Yes. He's like popping out the door like, where guys? Yes. The witness. Yeah. The potential suspect. He was interviewed very briefly, but was never a suspect, was never brought in for questioning because police immediately assumed that the men in the parking lot had been the murderers. Oh my God. Not just, oh, yeah. hey, we found this hurt guy. Yeah. It's two o'clock in the morning on Halloween. Wow. Bars are closing. Maybe we just left a bar and saw a guy who looks beat up and told people at this business and don't want to be involved and ran away. Absolutely. You know? So seven years after he was convicted of murder in 2012, a judge agreed to hear new evidence in Ryan's case. Zellner showed footage of the police interview where detectives were clearly leading Chuck's testimony. Mm-hmm. When a detective asked Chuck how Kurt had been strangled, Chuck said, quote, I think it was a shirt or something. And the detective said, well, I know it wasn't a shirt. <laughs> then Chuck said, like, maybe a bungee cord. And the detective said, well, we know for a fact that his belt was ripped off his pants and he was strangled with his belt. What? To which Chuck said, really? And the detective asked, does that ring a bell? And Chuck said, no, not at all. Oh my God. Yeah, swear swear to you. Swear on my life. I can't do it. Yep. I can't do it. Policing should be illegal. Policing <laughs> should be illegal. Oh my God. <laughs> They also called Kurt's co-worker, Michael Boyd, who testified that no one ever checked his car or the clothes he'd been wearing that night or had investigated him in any way at all for that matter. They also brought back Jerry Trump, the janitor that had ID'd Ryan and Chuck and said that his court testimony had all been a lie. Oh, my God. At the original trial, Jerry Trump testified that he'd been in prison for his sex offense and his wife had sent him a newspaper article about the murder. And when he'd seen Ryan's and Chuck's mug shots, he'd immediately known that they were the men he'd seen the night of the murder. Jerry Trump testified at that hearing that it had been the prosecution who had shown him the article and told him it would be, quote, very helpful if he identified Ryan as Chuck as the men he'd seen and assured him they were the killers. Oh my God. He said that he just wanted to do the right thing and had already been in enough trouble, so felt intimidated enough to testify that it had been them. Of course he did. Of Of course course he he did. He broke down crying as he gave his testimony. He cried the whole time. I mean, he could barely hold his shit together oh the whole God, time he's the telling guilt. the story. Yeah. And then yeah. eventually he's just fully starts breaking down. He cries and he asked Ryan and his family for forgiveness for what oh he'd God. done to them. Uh, Ryan said after the fact that he did feel sorry for Jerry Trump and the pain he'd been dealing with was more than obvious as he recanted his previous statements. Can you imagine? No. Mm-mm. Just the level of manipulation there is no. unforgivable. The prosecutor at the time, Kevin Crane, everybody. Ugh, Kevin Crane, who had been promoted to judge at that point, Mm-mm. of course denied having coerced Jerry Trump in any way and that Trump had approached him completely unsolicited. Uh-huh. It's like, it's Well, yeah. turns out, though that Jerry's wife, Barbara Trump, had previously told prosecutors that she'd never sent the article. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. And that interview had never been disclosed to the defense. No. Yes. She, you she can't was, just make up the rules. You can't just do what you want. Yeah, apparently you can, especially when you're dealing with anybody named Trump. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Oh my God. Yes. Yep. Now she said to the prosecutor, she's I never sent him an article. And they're like, yeah, you remember when you did? She's like, I definitely did not do that. <laughs> I'm not sending my husband newspaper clippings in prison. It's 2013, first of right. all. And second of all, no, I didn't. And so it's on the record of her saying I didn't do it. And they never disclosed it to the defense. Jesus. That's illegal. Yeah. So Charles Erickson also took the stand and testified that he lied about everything that happened that night. Oh, God. Uh, yep. They're like, did you lie about it? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, did you lie about it again? He's like, yep. I don't think anyone's going to believe me. I don't blame you. I wouldn't believe me right. either. So he says now that he had been on cocaine, Adderall, and very intoxicated that night and didn't remember anything after they got to the bar. He said that there was no sign of blood or a struggle on his clothes or body the next day and no indication that anything bad had happened. Mm. It wasn't until he saw the article about the murder, saw the composite sketch that resembled him, and read that two white men had been spotted on the scene, and that's when he began to wonder if he had something to do with it. He'd confronted Ryan about it and had talked to other friends about it. And when police brought him in for questioning, he'd been high on marijuana. God. Oh, God. Yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you very much. Even if you're an expert on being high on marijuana. No, nobody ever needs to be high on marijuana in the, and then be interrogated by the police. That's not going to be a good situation. If you're high on PCP, however, you're going <laughs> to nail your that interview. Run away. Yeah, you're going to nail that interview. Just do a little PCP. A if little you need bit. to go in for a question, just a little tiny bit. Takes the edge off, sharpens the mind. Take Don't my do advice. PCP, everybody. No, just a little. Children listen a, to this show. show. Just a little <laughs> nibble. I don't even know what, if what form it comes PCP. in. Yeah. Is it a solid, a liquid, a gas? I don't know. Right. I well, think Ryan just came home. I couldn't call him in. He's the, like the expert. expert on doing PCP because he just does a little bit every day. A little toot. A little toot to PCP. A little toot to the P, he calls it. <laughs> Ask me my pee. <laughs> the C- when CPS shows up at my door to check, oh my god, sure Sadie's my husband not. does not do PCP. <laughs> I do not. I've never done a toot of no. PCP or a nibble, a whisper of PCP. No PCP has entered no. the body of any of my family members, and sh- will never, and should never enter any of your bodies. I please do not do PCP. No. So the footage of the interview showed detectives telling Chuck that if he didn't tell them what happened, they were going to pin it on him. Hmm. And so he fabricated the story about Ryan to keep himself out of more serious trouble. They also kept telling him that Ryan had confessed or was going to confess. Mm -hmm. He also said that he started to believe his story was true, especially after the police showed him a report that said his classmate, Dallas Mallory, had Mm -hmm. seen them that night. So remember, he said that he ran into Dallas and said, oh, we beat some guy down. Right. Right. So police had interviewed Dallas Mallory and he told them he'd never seen them that night. Once he told police that, he claimed they, quote, began yelling at him, calling him a liar and threatening to charge him with murder. Jesus. Yes. You cannot just do what you want. Yeah, apparently you can. No, it's not. I'm not allowing it anymore. No, you really can't. It's actually illegal. This is all illegal. So, yeah, it's not technically allowed, but it happens all the time, as we well know. So Mallory became very scared and emotional as the officers continued yelling. Mallory stated that he'd never told the police that Erickson was being, quote, fidgety and pushy or saying, quote, something about a fight or, quote, we beat someone down. Mm-mm. This is all from the court records that I'm reading. Mallory's affidavit stated that he did not remember seeing Erickson or Ferguson in downtown Columbia on October 31st or November 1st, 2001, or remember Erickson telling Mallory the information contained in the police report regarding his initial interview. Chuck's lawyer said, quote, Charles is absolutely innocent. He was misled into thinking Ryan Ferguson was going to plead guilty and that certain witnesses would place him near the crime scene. He was young, vulnerable, and frightened. He deeply regrets his trial testimony, but he was trapped by the state. He deserves understanding, not condemnation. He should be free, not imprisoned, for a crime he did not commit. The charade put on by the state needs to end. Yes, it does. So once Chuck had sobered up in prison, the gravity of his actions started to become clear. And so he began the process of trying to undo what he'd done right. that had landed he and his friend in prison. 
Despite all of this, the judge at that hearing said Chuck was more credible at his first trial and upheld Ryan's conviction. No, he didn't. Yes. So then in 2013, Ryan was granted another trial in front of the appellate court this time. And the judges presiding over the case seemed much more interested in the evidence that had been withheld from the original trial, especially Jerry Trump's change of heart and his wife's insistence that she hadn't seen him, that she hadn't sent him the article. After the trial, Ryan's parents checked the appeals website daily for two months. Can you believe you have to go to a website? No. no. And check and see if your kid is gonna conviction be, has been vacated. Oh my God. No, no, no. So they checked it daily for two months, and after so much waiting, they finally found his name on the site. There's video footage of it, too. Do you see his mom say, I think I saw Ryan. I think I saw Ryan. Oh, God. Chills. <laughs> they finally found his name on the site and confirmation that his conviction had been unanimously vacated. Oh, chills. 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 Mm-hmm. Chills. Thank mm-hmm. God. So 10 years after he was sent to prison for killing a stranger that he did not kill, mm-hmm. Ryan Ferguson was a free man. And the state declined to prosecute him again. Thank God. Ryan filed a civil suit against the police department and prosecutors who falsely accused and convicted him and was awarded $11 million in 2017. He got $1 million for every year he was in prison and then an extra million for like his defense, I think. Ryan dedicated himself to trying to get Charles Erickson out of prison and said, quote, there are more innocent people in prison, including Erickson. He's I know still that, in prison? Well, we'll get there. He said, okay. I know that he was used and manipulated, and I kind of feel sorry for the guy. He needs help, he needs support, and he doesn't belong in prison. What no, a Brian. kind fucking thing to say about the person who put you in jail for 10 Seriously. years. Yep. His family has offered a $10,000 reward for tips that may solve the case. Ryan also hosted the MTV show Unlocking the Truth and placed third on season 33 of The Amazing Race. <laughs> He's also an absolute dreamboat. You can uh, he is a very attractive uh, <laughs> young man. Even when he was in prison, he's just uh, real Rygos. Real what about that? Of, oh. Getting out of prison and going on the amazing race? Yeah, and getting an MTV show. Well he's amazing. As soon as he was out of prison, one hour later he was like hosting a press conference and he's just he's real charismatic, real good looking guy. Very kind too. He has since gone on to work in real estate in New York City. Wow. So 10 years after Ryan was set free, Chuck was also released from prison in January of 2023. Because he served his time? After filing three petitions to waive his guilty plea. The Columbia police say they will consider any evidence or leads in the case of Kent Highholt's murder. But it doesn't seem that they are actively investigating it at this Mm -hmm. point. Everything I read says that they claim they caught the right guys in the first place. Oh, my God. Get over yourself right now. You're going, you're grounded. You're grounded and fired. (laughs) But now, you guys, that is the case of the bizarre, unsolved, heinous, horrible, nonsensical murder of Kent Highhold. Who killed Kent? Nobody knows. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. All that time and money and ruined lives for nothing. For nothing. Yep. The only possible suspect that comes up is Michael Bolt. But he was on, I watched a terrible 48 hours. It's actually okay 48 hours. It's just weird how 48 hours is like, both of these guys were in college. They were not in college. You know, just right. weird stuff yeah, like, like that. Don't, it's like, you don't need to embellish the story to make it more interesting. just change it completely? Yeah, it was strange. And they're interviewing Ryan and his parents and everything. Just like, And Ryan is a horse. And you're like, no, he's a man. I can see that he's a man. It's weird. But I got most of the information from the court records, which is the most accurate place to yeah, get information. Yeah. But they did interview Michael Bolt. He was subpoenaed he didn't have a choice but he just seems like a goofy guy he doesn't mm-hmm. strike me as a cold-blooded killer who would bash and strangle his coworker to death for no reason but right there's also suspicion that it was a politician or police because mm-hmm. he was a sports editor but maybe he found out something he wasn't supposed to and obviously 
the politicians and police in that town are not on the straight and narrow. So no. who knows? Who fucking knows? But the chances of him getting murdered within about three or four minutes of seeing his coworker are pretty slim. Regardless, what a fucking disaster. What an absolute yeah, disastrously awful investigation of a case of a Mm-mm. father, a husband, a beloved community member, like a just sweetie pie, sweet, sweet man, a good man died, a horrible death. Mm-hmm. And then so many other lives get destroyed and the killer or killers are still free. Oh God. And likely never to be captured. And that is, is not fair. Not fair. It's disgusting. It's horrible. My well, heart goes out to them. Nothing. Courtney. Well, thank at least, at least they got out. At least they got on the amazing race and got $11 million. Unlike your stories where no. disabled women are in prison for life for still worse reasons. <laughs> and yeah, no, I just had to do a little bit of a redemption after the fact of that horif- horrifying story you told last week. <laughs> Not that this is any less horrifying, but my yeah. God. Oh, man, I hope that his killer's caught. I, I do hope too. that Ryan and Chuck are okay, doing good, and yep. he, I, the police need to stop lying. That's uh, the story. It's just unbelievable. It's also like, how did Ryan's defense miss all of that? The footage, the interview footage, all you would have to show is him being clearly coerced. It wasn't even like right. leading questions. They were straight up. No, he got strangled with a belt. Do you remember that? And he's like, not even a little bit. Next question. Right. What the fuck? I tried to find updates on Chuck. He's definitely laying low. I don't blame him. He's only been out of prison for nine months, but I hope he's okay. I can't imagine going through that, putting yourself through that, just being a dumb drunk kid. And then the next thing you know, your friend's understandably went to the police and turned you in for something you were just being a dumb kid about. <sighs> well, you guys, it's been a, it's been a days, been some days. <laughs> it's been a days and also some days. <laughs> we're happy to be here with you. Very happy to be here with you and very happy to read some name time. I think the world needs a little name time. <laughs> yeah, they do. It's been a day and some days and say that I had a weird week and also a beautiful week. Mm-hmm. Hug your families, love your families. Show up for your families. Show up for your families. If they're toxic, then set good boundaries and yeah. then we'll cut them off completely. Yeah. But if you have very loving and and beautiful families like we do, we are so lucky to have hold them tight. Yes. Yeah, I was thinking a lot about how it's easy for me to convince myself that my act, my presence doesn't matter. Yep. That doesn't make sense. I've yes. just decided that it doesn't matter if I show up for people. It's probably something I should talk to my therapist about. But Definitely. When we, Courtney and I had a family member die suddenly, and it was a, a very quick trigger for me. Gotta go. I gotta go see yeah. my family on the East Coast. I haven't been there for many, many, many years. But usually I would say, oh, it doesn't really matter if I'm there. Right. Because I, doesn't, I don't matter to them or whatever that is. And when I got there, it very much does matter. Very yeah. much. I'm going to make me cry, but yeah, you know, to be able to show people that you love them and that you're there for them and that they love you too. You do, you matter. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Your support matters. And so I think it's just easy to talk yourself into, to that. Yeah. I've been thinking about it a lot. Me too. The other thing I've been thinking about is that now we're the adults and Mm -hmm. we have to push ourselves onto the children. (laughs) Right. I think a lot of adults in our life gave us a lot of space, me in particular, Mm -hmm. maybe you slightly less, but Mm -hmm. they just gave me space. I was an independent kid and I pushed back. But looking at the young adults in our lives and our cousins have babies, we have a huge family. And it just dawned on me that I have given the younger generation space because I didn't Mm -hmm. think they wanted me to push. And, but I'm like, no, it's my responsibility to get up in there and annoy the shit out of them. (laughs) Right. You know, and they check on them. Right. Yeah, because right. even absolutely. if they, it's not about me. It's not about right. them rejecting me. They're children. They're teenagers and young adults. They should reject me. But it's really what it's about is you showing them that you want to participate and mm-hmm. accepting the rejection of the children when they reject you because psychologically and physio- physiologically they have to reject you and that's mm-hmm. okay adults that's okay mm-hmm. it's not it's about part you. of the process yes right? yes yes so. and you continue to be there for them so that when their brain develops they come back to you bingo you know you're a safe place to exactly be. exactly so yeah yeah it's not but, about us guys and we all think that we don't our presence is not needed or missed and also that 
we don't affect people and we do turns mm-hmm. out we affect them greatly and yeah. it also turns out a lot of them listen to the podcast I so know. if you're listening we love you hi Corey. So hi Brittany. hi much. caitlin hi marilyn hi Keith. Annie. we love you so much hi, Annie. we love you so much we had no idea so many of our family members listened listened and it means listened. so much i know it really does it makes me embarrassed i'm like oh god okay good <laughs> <laughs> fuck oh. fuck 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 i say fuck a lot family if you didn't know that <laughs> and i laugh nervously all the time uh, but we love you. We so love much. you. We love you so much. And here's some name time. This is in honor of Jan, Ryan, Mikey, and John. We lost four cousins, which is so strange. This is for all of you guys. This is name time is dedicated to you. I'm sorry. This is. <laughs> I'm just going to cry through the whole thing. So yeah. thanks for nothing, Court. <laughs> and to be clear, not all four of our cousins died all at once. Just no just in the last handful of years. But it's still weird. Yeah, it really is. We're young. They were young. It's weird. Sam Sung. <laughs> crystal ball. Oh, God. So many crystal balls. Love Ugh. it. This one I've already read before, but it came back around. Tokyo Sexuale, which is just <laughs> fucking. Ugh. So, at, like, top tier. Top it tier. Really Horny Town Road. <laughs> That's where I live. Yeah. Me too. Everybody does. Gross. Gross. Ugh. John B. Good enough. <laughs> oh my God. When we were in, in Connecticut for the funeral, I passed the Bacon Academy. Oh God. Love the Bacon Academy. And it's in this old timey schoolhouse building, not in the, what you would no. picture. It, industrial yeah. bacon academy. I don't know what I would picture, but no, not that it's colonial New England fucking Staffordshire, Connecticut or whatever. <laughs> right, like arch doorways. And yes. Shit. Flagstone fences. Beautiful. <laughs> Plaster beautiful. walls. Yes. Bacon Academy. <laughs> Not expecting that. Defense attorney Dewey Meadows. Yes. Um, somebody has a coworker named Jennifer Lopez and they so they say, have the same middle name. <laughs> oh my God. I wonder if it was on purpose. Ugh. No, Mom's she said it's a- not completely not on purpose. Her name oh, is wow. Jennifer Lopez. She gave me some things that her kids say wrong or said wrong. So when her son was three, he went through a phase where he couldn't pronounce anything that started with SP. He would say an F instead. So a spider was a fighter. Special was special. Spoon was spoon. And his absolute favorite, their absolute favorite, spooky was spooky. <laughs> Said it was Halloween time, and he would walk around saying all the decorations were spooky. Oh my god! Uh, oh yeah, my dude. god! Yeah, my my five year old just asked me the other day if I'd ever heard of the song "A, a Scrambled Flag." <laughs> And I was like, no, but I've heard it's a grand old flag. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that one. And I hope to God he was in little music class or wherever they were teaching him that weird ass song. He's singing, it's a scrambled flag. It's a scrambled flag. <laughs> so we were singing so about how it would like, you whisk it real hard and you'd make sure everything's all mixed up. <laughs> Sadie, these colors don't run. We don't make fun of the flag song. Um, couple more. Couple more. Uh, Titsworth is a football player and his <laughs> number is 69. Of course it is. Of course oh it God. is. Um, last name? Boogert Man. Boogert? Boogert Man. <laughs> oh my God. In Arlington slash Mansfield area of Texas, there were two OBGYNs with the names of Dr. Dickey and Dr. Pickle. <laughs> Verdon Lee Hobold, a.k.a. Hobo. Wow. Captain Thompson. <laughs> Captain. <laughs> Captain Thompson. Oh, my God. There's an usher at a theater named Van Van Voorhees. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Van Van Hor- Voorhees. This one has come up before, but I'm never going to not mention NASCAR driver Dick Trickle. <laughs> yes. Van Van Voorhees. Dick. Dick, Dick Trickle. trickle. <laughs> Tokyo Sex Wally. I cannot get enough of you people, and I cannot get no. enough of name time. Let's do two shouty outies. Let's do okay. it. Let's so do it. So if it. you want a shouty outie, if you want more of what you just heard, God help you. But also, <laughs> you can you get it. If you go to our Patreon, 
for as little as $5 a month, you can get like 160 additional episodes, full ass, whole ass episodes. And eventually I will sing you a little song in your honor. It'll take a while, probably six months. Cause yeah. Oh, we look, Oh, look, like you can see what I'm looking at. Yeah. If we do two right now, yeah. we will have been through Mar- uh, February and into March. Oh my God. We're almost going to so laugh ourselves. <laughs> Oh my god. It's worth it though. Or it is, is it? I don't know. I don't That's know. That's you for you to decide. But in the meantime, you could distract yourself with 160 additional oh, episodes. Shit, dude. What the so fuck? Many yeah. episodes. That's worth your money. Honey. It really is. And I'm getting ready to do the next round of goodies. Yeah. That, yeah, we do it probably three times a year, four times a year. And it's time to do it again. So if yeah, you want goodies time, sooner than later, get your butt over there. It's going to be a bag, a baggie of mashed potatoes. And a little num num of PCP. Just kidding. Federal <laughs> government, we're not sending drugs to our listeners. Oh my God. <laughs> we're going to get arrested. We're going to get arrested. Where <laughs> Apple's going to shut us down. Oh, One God. hour, the two. So. Yeah, they should. It's, everyone's, it's in everyone's best interest. <laughs> it really is. Oh, oh, God. All right. Thank you so much to Adam. Adam, as in the beginning of matter, as in the <laughs> tiniest ma- amount of matter, as the origin of life, as the origin of energy, cannot be destroyed. Can it be separated? I think so. Is that nuclear Colliding. power? That's I what think colliders so. do. I'm not entirely sure, but I'm almost sure that you split Adam, guess what you get? Nuclear power! <laughs> or a new timeline to enjoy. Yeah, you can. Everything is happening simultaneously, <laughs> and Adam can take you on a journey through it. <laughs> Split that person in half and follow him to the ultimate. Get down to it. I just rhymed it with it, but Adam will forgive me for it. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> Adam doesn't give a shit. He doesn't give a he doesn't want me to forget that I am here to talk about him and I haven't forgotten even <laughs> though this is meandering. It's all about Adam, the beginning of matter, split it in half and it gets badder, badder in fact and cooler and more powerful. <laughs> I don't know what nuclear power does entirely, but I know it can blow us up or sustain life. One or the other, that's pretty fucking cool. So just like Adam, nuclear power is not entirely clear in a cool and mysterious way that can either sustain life or destroy it. <laughs> We love you, Adam. Thank you. I'm your backup singer like, today. <laughs> kind of bummed myself out by ending on Aww. that note. Thank you. That's a terrible note to end on. <laughs> it's like not wanting to sneeze in, but not being able to. Oh my god. Oh, I love you, Adam. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Last but certainly not least, thank Certain. you so much to Nat Tingy. Yeah, I love when Natty comes to town. Natty brings the whole motherfucking house down. Natty does a little tappy tappy. And Natty does remember where she's at D. She is at the most spectacular of all the places that is called Nisus. Does that mean anything? I don't know. I just channeled Natty, and that's where she told me to go to Gionysus. <laughs> so I mounted my steed, and I rode through the weeds and over the mountains and through the rivers to Gionysus, where Natty greeted me with a tippy tap and a tip of her hat, and she gave me a wink, and she said, follow me. So I did. And we entered Dionysus, which is very, very comfortable. You'd be surprised to hear that Dionysus is a very comfortable place to be. Are you sure it's not just like a made-up place that a cult leader wants you to go to? Go to Dionysus and find all the wisdom and power in the world that Natty has harnessed and put it there. 
But it's also really comfortable in a way that things should be comfortable that are also powerful and mysterious. Natty knows that where it grows is Dionysus, and so it flows into us all, thanks to Natty. <laughs> Oh, God. I'm a fever dream right now. <laughs> Sometimes they get me. That one got me. Natty, thank you. Giant <laughs> nice. Fuck is oh, that? No. I really oh, think no. it's a cult thing. Oh, no. Yeah. There's not like a Nexium. Not giant nice. <laughs> Dionysus or something is like <laughs> biblical. I don't know. Dionysus. So it's like when somebody's name is like Jennifer or something. Dionysus. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. You guys, what, what is happening? What? Oh. Well, we love you very much. And if you want oh, to spend more time with us for some reason, you can go to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter or TikTok at They Will Kill. You can go to our website, theywillkill.com, and you can always email us at theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com. You can rate, review, and subscribe to us. You can tell your friends about us. Mm-hmm. You can talk to your people on Reddit about us. You can do what you want about us. Yeah, you can <laughs> go to your priest, slide the little slider door back, and confess to the priest that you've been listening to us. <laughs> and you should probably do that. Yeah, probably. Thank you, AJ Bergans, for your music. Thank you so much. Uh, and remember... Oh, my God. One of our listeners heard me ragging on oh the Jeffrey Bean sent gray flannel. I saw that right before I went to bed, and I don't know why I didn't just immediately call you and be like, I give up. We win at life. Give, Continue. Okay. I'm sorry. I was no. so excited. Check this out, you guys. So I was talking about how I grew up. I worked at a Jeffrey Bean outlet store, Joffrey Bean, G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y, the worst way it's called Jeff. <laughs> Jeffrey Bean, I actually kind of like it now, but Jeffrey mm-hmm. Bean outlet in Taylorsville, motherfucking Indiana, worst job <laughs> you could ever have. Working retail at Out- 16 levels. years old with a shaved head, colored burgundy, dyed burgundy with purple wire rim glasses, wearing mom <laughs> jeans and fucking polo braces. shirts with braces. <laughs> picture it, guys. Picture we can, it. I'm sure we can. I'll find a picture. I'll I have a big it. nose. I mean, there is a lot going on. Kind of skinny, but like in a tube way, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Peak of my life. Peak of my existence. And... Jeffrey Bean's signature scent is gray flannel. And if you ever want to gag and die simultaneously, smell gray flannel. But people love it. People would come in and like beeline it and buy all of it. They'd be like, like, I haven't seen this in years. (laughs) Ever since I lived on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. (laughs) It smells insane, right? So one of our listeners heard me talking about the nightmare that is gray flannel, found it online Paid $10.23 Canadian for it. Had it shipped to her house just to smell it. <laughs> uh, you so win. Win. So she said, smells like what the fuck? You are correct. A mixture of baby powder, sunscreen, and perhaps a dash of cat urine. Wow, just wow. Yeah, it was Tara. Tara. Long time listener. Immediate. I mean, from the get, get go. <laughs> Yes, from the get and immediate fucking MVP of the year. I can't get that. What are you going to do with it, Tara? What are you going to do with your new scent, your new signature scent? Well, and I was like, you got to figure out who you hate the most to give it to as a gift. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we start a weird chain mail yes. book yes. club or something where I buy a scent from... I go and no, find we just pass the gray flannel around. Whoever wants to smell the gray flannel next, I'm mean, gonna I get Tara on board for this. But Tara, <laughs> what do you think about this? Whoever wants to smell the gray flannel next just has to Venmo you like five dollars or whatever the shipping cost is, and yeah. then you can put like a poem or something in there, and then oh send God. it along, and maybe everyone buy a gray flannel, <laughs> and that's what all of our Patreon supporters get, and then we just there's, suddenly there's this huge run on gray flannel and <laughs> Jeffrey Bean stocks skyrocket. Well, it's Phillips Van Heusen is the parent company. Phillips Van Heusen stocks God. skyrocket because all of a sudden everyone's buying gray flannel quick, just to smell quick. it. Before you guys have the insider deets now, go get some Van Heusen stock, and then we'll. 
<laughs> we'll buy we'll get, we'll 30 buy bottles thousands. of gray flannel and you will be rich. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Martha Stewart, nobody wants to go to prison for insider oh, no. trading. <laughs> Between that and their PCP distribution, oh, fucked. Get advice on this one. This one is shocked full of good advice. Oh, shit, dude. All, All right. right, well. Thank you, Tara, for being Thanks. the MB- MVP. You. That <laughs> just absolutely made my year for, for I, sure. It really did. And it is 100% something I would do. I would buy a bottle of gray flannel <laughs> just to be like, is it really that bad? And be like, holy shit. The follow through. I would have yeah. had that thought. I maybe would have even looked at it, yep. like found it online. Yep. But if my credit card information wasn't already available, totally. I definitely wouldn't have bought it. Totally. And then, you know, like, yes. bravo, my bravo. dear, bravo, M- MVP, VIP of They Will Kill us for this month. You Don't win. Take a bow. Yes. Blew my mind. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh we love God. you guys. We love you so much. All so of you much. so much. See you next time and see you then. We'll see you another time all the time. Yeah. Goodbye. 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 Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.